Welcome to the Mindful Divine Podcast with your host, Shayna Bianchi. As a certified Reiki energy worker, a hypnosis therapist, author, and motivational speaker, I like to consider myself a mindful healer. I designed this podcast to give you a method to manifesting in order to transform your life and welcome the things you not only want, but deserve. Whether you're into alternative wellness or simply want to learn to be more mindful in your daily routine, I will equip you with tools, practices, and spiritual wisdom to align with your dream life. I'm here to remind you that there is more light within, and the power to beginning your inner journey starts right now. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Mindful Divine. I am your host, Shayna Bianchi, and I am so happy to welcome you all back to season two of this lovely little show. If you're new to the show, Mindful Divine is filled with actionable tips and insight into alternative wellness as a whole, really encouraging you to be more mindful in your daily routines. My goal is to equip you with tools, practices, manifestation exercises, and spiritual wisdom to align with your dream life in an effort to live in flow and help inspire that divine light within. So this season, you can expect a handful of very exciting shows with some super special guests. That's right. You'll be hearing from spiritual thought leaders from across the globe to really elevate the conversation. And we'll be posting the live video recordings of the episode on our YouTube channel. So be sure to check the episode notes for that. So today, I would like to introduce you to our amazing guest, Jordan Taylor. She's a real estate mogul former international pop star, singer, songwriter, model, and the OG MySpace princess. Remember MySpace? And if you can't tell, this girl is a serious force to be reckoned with, an all-around stellar human. I have been lucky enough to count Jordan as a dear friend since 2006, I believe, and I'm thrilled to be, you know, sort of talking to my fellow Scorpio sister today about her journey, her ventures, and what mindfulness really means to her. So these days, Jordan is a coast-to-coast luxury real estate consultant and one half of the Taylor Martin team. She pivoted from the world of music and entertainment in 2015, really bringing her knowledge of relationships, atmosphere, and creativity to her venture in residential and commercial sales. So Jordan says that she finds her successes in bringing a fabulous, funny, and female tone to what can be a very buttoned up world. Although specializing in the most opulent of listings, she believes that luxury can be experienced by everyone, regardless of budget, and find a way to really make sure that Every client feels exactly that. So Jordan is heavily involved in multiple philanthropic ventures, one of which, Pencils of Promise, is the indirect reason she landed herself and is living and working back here in her home state of California after living in New York for the last five years. So today we are recording in my cozy little zen den in Laguna Beach, safely distanced, of course, and I am so thrilled to share this conversation with you. Jordan, hi. Thank you so much Shana, for being here. That was beautiful. <laughs> what? I've never felt cooler than I do right now. <laughs> You're so cool. You're so amazing. I mean, I really am so excited to be chatting with you. I, I really 
I think that your your background and where you've been and where you're at and where you're where you're going really is just so fascinating and so interesting. So well, um, let's just get right in. All right, I'm I know excited. I just kind of teed up quite the intro. I could go on and on, obviously, listing all of your accolades, but I want to rewind a little bit. I want to I want to kind of start a little earlier in your career okay. and pick your brain. I want to understand, um, you know, what it was like you were signed and and had record deals at such a young age you were touring right what was that like was there a lot of pressure to sort of act or or look or be a certain way um I mean yeah it was it was a lot of things I mean it had its light it had its darkness I would say most of it was a very enjoyable experience I think I was very lucky in that I didn't see too too much of the darkness of that world which people speak of all the time that comes because you know my dad was my manager I had good people around me and we've always kind of worked on a level of like energy. So before I even like I was very much into like mindfulness and, you know, really taking care of energy. My, my parents had it instilled in me, like just, we work off relationships. If we get along with you, like for the most part, I think I'm a really good judge of character. I have amazing people around me. So when I was doing music, a big part of that was like, how do I feel around this person and how do they make me feel? Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of protected me. I was, you know, 15 up until 21, 15 years old, starting this thing yeah. in this crazy, big kind of evil world at times. And I felt, I felt pretty good about it. That being said, the pressure came from like, one, it's a very competitive world. You know, you meet people and they're your direct, or they can look at it as a direct competition. Mm. There's enough room in the world, especially the world of entertainment for everyone. Mm-hmm. But at the time, like people don't see that. People don't believe that. So there was pressure there. And then, you know, my journey, I was with Interscope Records for a few years and then I moved to Japan and pursued it there. And that's where the pressure really picked up for me because of, I mean, it's a very male driven world there. And they look at women and women's bodies a lot differently than we do here in certain ways. Yeah, so, so I've never been self-conscious about my body ever. It was like, you have to be on a diet. You have to be working out, but don't be too strong looking, you know, thin. Mm. Don't go in the sun. We don't want you too dark. Mm. Um, So it was a lot like, and it was just lonely. It was super lonely out there. Um, So that was tough. And I think that's what made it easy for me to get out of music. Because that was the last, that was sort of your last hurrah, right? With music, yeah. And it got to a point where it was like this jumping point. So all my friends called me Japan and Montana because... (laughs) kind of amazing <laughs> it was good yeah I don't remember who coined that but right. I need to find it's out good. it's good I use that in interviews now, I'm like, dude, if you're listening now and you coin that if that was you <laughs> thank you thank you <laughs> um so yeah so I would get to go home to California and just be like normal hang out with my friends you know go to parties mm. and then I go to Japan and it would just be work and it would be three months stints so I'd be out there for three months at a time so it got to a point where like it was, I was becoming pretty popular. I had a song that was number one on the R&B charts, which wow. is very different from our R&B out right, here. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, and it got kind of, I felt like I was at this like the edge of a mountain where I could either jump off into this world of, you know, Japanese pop stardom, mm-hmm. I guess, mm-hmm. or do I want to start over? Um, one thing I've always said about music now in hindsight is it was never something Yes, I enjoyed doing it and I loved everything it brought me, but I was never like in it as a passion. I was in it because I fell very easily into different situations. I was very blessed and lucky to find myself in these places. But 
I was never like a struggling artist. I was never like hungry for it the way other people were. So for me, I was like, all right, I'm ready for the next thing. Mm -hmm. This thing doesn't bring me, it brings me more stress than it brings me joy. And my parents, I think like so, so, so supportive in the sense of like, that sucks, but okay. Yeah. Let's see what's next. Yeah, absolutely. You said that it was really hard and, and kind of lonely out there. Like, how did you find yourself grappling with that while you were there? I know you said it was work, 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 but what did you find yourself doing? Or were you young? I mean, I feel like my mindfulness journey has only since progressed, especially over the last five years. Mm-hmm. As as I've gotten older, I've started to get to know myself on right. a deeper level and do the shadow work and do all of that. Were you in a space mentally at that point or not really? Not at all. I honestly... Yeah, you don't think that you have control over those things, I guess. Or I didn't at that point. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was like kind of wallow in it a little bit and a lot of distraction more so than like actually fixing things. So it was a lot of like, um, you know, in the moments that there was any stillness, it was, you know, listening to music, watching TV, texting. Our time difference was so, or the time difference was so perfect that after a day's work, I'd be texting people at home. They'd be like waking up or I don't remember the time difference exactly, but I remember there was no real stillness for me. Wow. And I was purposefully filling my time with things to distract, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was also like kind of ready for love. It had been a while since I had like loved someone Mm -hmm. and ended up finding someone on one of my trips home. And I was like, this is a good excuse. This is like the final straw. Yeah. Yeah. I was ready. There you go. You also talked something that you said that I thought was so beautiful and what's always sort of helped you stay grounded and centered has been um, like with your family and with relationships and all Mm -hmm. of that. I know when you were very, I mean, even you have this energy and this magnetism that you've always had about you. I mean, I cannot, even when I was writing the intro, I couldn't believe, I mean, 2006, like we've actually known each other a really, really long time. Mm -hmm. Um, but you've always been this catalyst and, and somebody who's very purposeful and very mindful in relationships. I feel like absolutely, it it must've started at such a young age. I know you, you also did some hosting for MySpace. I mean, I don't know what this MySpace princess is, but, but you know, you were able to kind of talk with different musicians and celebrities and all of that. And only helped your relationship building and your conversation skills and all of that. Like, how do you feel like that helped you in where you are and who you are today? Um, I would say, I mean, relationships in general are probably my main theme. If I go and look through my life without consciously doing it, those are like the main things I gravitate to is like really good people and people that I feel can use something from me and I feel I can use something from them and nothing tangible necessarily, but just like having them around feels good, you know? And so, and I definitely think that stems from originally from family, even extended family, like growing up in a, my dad's Filipino, this huge Filipino family where everyone, if they're older than you, they're auntie, their uncle, if they're younger than you, they're your cousins. And that was it. Like if you're in my grandpa's house, which is tiny and filled with way too many people, you're family. Mm-hmm. And I think that probably starts from my dad's father, um, my grandpa Braff. He's just, he's just, the neighbors call him grandpa. The, you know, the guy at the donut store calls him grandpa. And so he's really instilled that into us without ever preaching it. It was just watching him and seeing how people gravitated to him. I think I've always wanted that. Mm, it's beautiful. And the only, th- the main thing that grounds me are the people around me. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I have great taste in people. <laughs> great taste. Like I look around, I'm like, there's not a person in my life that's close to me that I don't think is better than me in, you know, more than one way. 
you know, and it's epic. I think that's so special. I mean, you're only as good as the 10 people that you surround yourself with. And I think that it really goes to show when you're, when you're, it's, you're creating a tribe, you're creating a family and an extended family. I mean, the fact that people are calling your grandpa, grandpa, I mean, that's (laughs) amazing. That's so cool. It's, it's a legacy. And I think, you know, your friends can be your chosen family. And I think for so many people, sometimes they have amazing rock solid families that they come from and sometimes Mm -hmm. they don't and that's okay too I think that it's important for us to remember that you can create your own family and your own tribe and you don't have to um you don't necessarily have to feel like you don't get that experience if you don't have um you know quote unquote what we think of as a normal family or a normal life you know what I mean and I think that you can really instill those relationships in a totally different way which I absolutely love Um, so I'm interested to know, I talk a lot about the shift and, and how I refer to it as it's sort of like this moment in somebody's life that brings them to where they are and who they are today. Um, I know you said that, you know, it it was sort of love, it was sort of ready for a new chapter, but what would you say was really that pivotal life altering moment, something big that happened to you to really say, okay, I'm going to change the course in my direction of who I am emotionally and and who I am professionally. Right. Ugh. I would say that I probably, off the top of my head, had three of those. There were three big ones. I think, so you know, I mean, in 2011, I lost my boyfriend of a long time. So that was a big shift for me as far as going from, uh, I guess, like taking life by the horns a little bit. And it wasn't a decision because it was more just like, okay, I don't have to, I guess in my mind, I had always imagined with this person, I stay in Riverside, our friends, the friends that I have now are my friends forever. You know, I'll get a nine to five. Like it it was just kind of a more, um, quote unquote, like normal Mm -hmm. way of safe or yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So after that happened, it allowed me, it almost freed me in a way to, to go and explore, Mm. to figure out, oh, okay. Well, this person who I thought was my everything, who was my everything Mm -hmm. until up until that point is not here anymore. So there's nothing tying me to this place right here because my friends and family will be here and I can come in and and go as I please. Mm -hmm. And they kind of expect that from me at this point. Um, So that was the big jump off point for like exploring the world. Mm -hmm. I started traveling really big. Um, I started meeting friends outside of my area code, you know. Mm -hmm. The second big pivot was quitting music. I think people really identified me as, you know, Jordan Taylor, this singer performer. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was terrifying because I identified myself in that and without even feeling super connected to it. It was just what I did with 95% of my day. Um, and the last was going through my most recent breakup. It forced me, I grew up, my mom's a, a stay at home mom. So for me, I always imagined, you know, you know, you work, make enough money here and there, but like my goal is to just be a mom and that's it. Mm-hmm. And then it got to a point, the, the man I was dating was like the biggest blessing my dad gave to my mom was sending her on a lane of independence. And so my comfort in being like, no, things are taken care of with you. We're happy. We're good. It's fine. Was shaken when he was like, let's like figure you out. Let's figure out what your career is going to be like you need to have a passion. You need to be fulfilled outside of me and my relationship, our relationship and, you know, like in and around us. Mm -hmm. And at the time I was like, this is dumb. No, I don't. This is fine. 
And now like in hindsight, I'm like, holy, I think that was the biggest pivot for me. The biggest change was like grabbing my own life, figuring out that I'm all I need. And career has become such a big theme in the last six years. And it never was. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I think that's so important to, to remember that even through breakups, even, even though you learn so much from other people and, um, there's so much beauty in sadness and struggle and going through it. And I think that we can teach others so much and we can learn so much from others. So like that is unbelievable. Also that you have the humility to be like, yeah, this was awesome that, that my ex was able to help me shed a light on this. You know, I think there's as, as harsh feelings as people have sometimes after breakups or divorce, um, it happened to you for a reason. And I always believe that. And I believe that we were meant to meet certain people for a reason. And we were also meant to leave certain people for a reason sometimes. And, and I think to be okay with that and to, um, to know that it's growth in any way, shape or form is, is really profound. It take, took time. Oh, for, for sure. sure. Breakup's for sure. hard. It's hard. Oh, it's God, totally yeah. hard. Absolutely. But 100%. Absolutely. And, but what you said, it, like, that's also ring true for me forever is I've always, and I don't know what catapulted it, but things happen for a reason. And my life has continued to show that. Mm-hmm. I'm always in the right place. I feel mm-hmm. like. Do you feel, um, I talk a lot on the show and in the book that I'm writing about manifestation. Oh, what on, are a your... book that you're writing? Yeah, I'm, I'm working on a book. Sheena, I'm I really, love that. It's really exciting. Um, I'm like in some of the final processes and we'll be pitching really soon. That is so awesome. it really is about mindfulness and manifestation and it, it's, it'll essentially be a guidebook for our generation. Amazing. Um, and, and I do talk a lot about manifestation. I, I have been manifesting without realizing it for years. I mean, since I was like maybe a kid, like a little girl. And um, and I think some people do it without realizing it. And some people want it, but don't quite know how to do it. It seems like you've been, of course, very, very fortunate, but you've also worked really hard in everything that you've done in each new chapter and each new venture. How do you feel like have you helped to propel and put those things in motion through manifestation? Do you think you were right place, right time? Like, what are your thoughts on that? So this is actually an interesting question. I was going to ask you something in and around manifesting because this morning I woke up and I don't know if I was like, you know, just like kind of dreaming the conversation or what, but for me, a really big thing I've worked on the last couple of years has been dropping expectations and, and, you know, consciously doing that. And I've had this like internal struggle when it comes to manifestation alongside expectation. And I'm like, how do I let the two live together? Um, because for me, and maybe this is like a mindset I I have to like shift because I'm like, okay, am I still able to lose expectation while manifesting specific or, you know, vague things, whatever it may be, How do I like find a marriage between the two? How do I not set myself up for disappointment if, you know, these things don't fall through? I think that intrinsically I operate on a, again, things happen for a reason. Um, But I do find, and my best friend Chris is very big on telling me when I've manifested something because I don't think I'm aware when Mm. I do it. Um, But she's like, dude, you're one of the biggest manifestors I know because you'll just talk about something and like a week later this thing happens. Um... So to answer your question, I don't think I've ever on the nose directly said, this is what I want and this is what I'm going to get. 
I'm very much big picture. So for me, I'm like, you know, like my idea of manifesting is like, you know, I want to find success in this year. I don't outline what that success is. Not on purpose. Like maybe I should. And this is a conversation I want to have with you is like, am I doing myself a disservice by not doing that? Um, but it's always worked out for me. It's always worked out for me to be like, you know what, this year I want to focus more on career or this year I want to focus on finding love. That to me hasn't worked out for me. I feel like in the moments where I don't manifest or I'm not like searching for it is when it kind of finds its place in my life. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really know how to answer that question mm-hmm. exactly. I, I would agree with Carissa in that you are a manifester in a really big way. I feel that in so many people don't realize what they're doing and when they're doing it. Right. It's almost like we all have these superpowers. We all have these like magical superpowers that are within all of us. And you just have to unlock them and, and allow yourself to see that um, little glimmer of that, that superpower that you have, that magic. Um, so I think... I would say it depends on how specific you want to be with your goals. I think I like the idea of outlining what you want. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I'll say about manifestation is some of it's very immediate. And and I've had both. I've had kind of the same thing. Like you say, I, you know, I want a red shirt, let's just say, right. for example. And a week later, you come across the exact red shirt that you imagined, whatever that is. So right. some of it's quicker. The other thing, I almost imagine it as if you're throwing up like a pebble into a pond. That ripple effect. So you're putting that oh. manifestation out into the universe. The universe knows, or God, or whatever your higher power is. It doesn't matter what you call it. It's mm-hmm. all the same. Um, the universe knows when the right time is for you to accept that ripple. Right. So... You may want a million dollars tomorrow. Yes, I do. Let's manifest that <laughs> Dear right universe. now together. <laughs> you may want that. But um, if you're not being of service to others and helping others and truly living with a servant's right. heart and you want it tomorrow, it's probably not going to happen. Absolutely. That's not going to say that it will never happen, mm-hmm. but the universe knows when the best time will be for you in your life to get that red shirt and that million dollars. Right. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and you'll look darn good in that red shirt when you get your million Thank dollar you. check. Because <laughs> I'll pay everyone to say so. Exactly. <laughs> no, but I think I think that there are certain steps. I think um, getting quiet with yourself, I think writing it out. I also really believe in like affirmations and, and very positive affirming statements. So I think if somebody doesn't have the money that they want and they may be saying, um, you know, like uh, worried that they don't have it saying, right. well, I don't, I, I can't afford that right now. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I'm too poor for that. You know, I can't, right. the, all of that is energy that the Absolutely. universe will pick up on and take in and, and instead say, you know, it's, it's, um, it, money will come. Money mm-hmm. is energy. Absolutely. I will, ha- I will be able to do this at a better time for me. The time isn't right for me right now. And that's okay. For sure. You know, so I think you kind of just have to be okay with it. Um, but you know, I think I think vision boards are great. I think affirming statements are great. I think releasing the narrative of what we think we're supposed to be and who right. we're supposed to be kind of goes back into neurolinguistic programming and these stories that we tell ourselves of, am I the stay-at-home mom? Am I this? And there's nothing wrong truly with any life choice for anyone. Right. Whatever feels right to you. But if you feel like you aren't living your truth, and you haven't unlocked your purpose, then I think it's time to kind of, you know, explore other options, For which sure. I think is so cool. I think pivoting is so, so, so important. And I mean, I've pivoted a handful know, of times with different careers and I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. And I think there was a point in time where we all may feel like, is this 
am I doing the right thing or am I supposed to stay on this track? Right. And you probably felt that with music too. Like, am I supposed to, this is what I've done for so long. It's what I know. Will it all have been for nothing? Right. If I switch. Right. Did you ever feel that? I did. I think the scariest feeling for me in that time was, who am I, am I letting everyone down? Because I think so many people, my parents, my brothers took so many, um, they sacrificed a lot for me in that time. Like, and it was not even a thought for them to do so. So for me, it was like, are they going to be so let down? Are they going to be disappointed? So that was my biggest one. And I mean, not at all. Not at all. Like not at all. And I think that is, I think we get wrapped up worrying Mm-hmm. If we're letting ourselves or are those closest to us down, our partners, our our family members, and oftentimes they're gonna celebrate you, absolutely, and and will will back you up. But I think it is that fear, and really, so it's it's having the confidence to decide, okay, I'm gonna do this. Um, but it, whether it's changing a job or coming out or you know whatever it may be, I absolutely. think that there there is a moment where if you're honest with yourself to find the courage and the confidence to be honest with your loved ones, they will support you, mm-hmm. even if you're worried that they won't. Oh, for sure. You know? Yeah. Are there any, um, you know, I, I do ha- this segment on the show called um, Method to Manifesting, and it's really for our listeners to understand tools and tips and modalities and techniques. Do you have any tips that you do to find your center and your mindfulness? I know you kind of talked about where you were and where you are now, it sounds mm-hmm. like much more centered, much more mindful, much more aware of who you are in the world and in your in yourself and your body. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you feel like you do to help? Um, so one, I'm not a very regimented person. So, you know, I I'm the type of person like through life, I would I have a diary and it'd be like, hey diary, so and so, this is that. And then three months later it's like, sorry, diary, they lost you. <laughs> Won't happen again. And then it's like six months later, it's like, oh no, diary, I did it again. <laughs> like it's very hard for me to get into like yeah. a rhythm of yeah. things. Um so I kind of am all over the place with things. I do kind of what works for me at that moment. So you know, with everything going on in the world right now, CBD's been a big one for me. Um, I've experienced anxiety for the first time, I would say continuously in my life this year. Um, I'm sure I'm not alone in that. I feel like everyone's like, this has been an insane year. 2020 was wild Mm -hmm. for sure. Um, a big one for me is breathing. Like something as simple as just like taking a step back. This is something I've done always before. Even when I'd be performing, I would take a deep breath, hold it, and then just let it out slowly. And you can feel the instant change of your heart's rhythm. And that instantly calms me, grounds me, whatever you want to call it. Um, Yeah, I would say breathing is a big one for me. I think it's so important. I think a lot of times um, we hold our breath Mm -hmm. and we don't realize it. Even when I'm working, when I'm on my laptop checking emails, I sometimes hold it. And you hold that tension in your neck, in your shoulders, all of that. So truly remembering to breathe. And I like to almost picture where the breath is when I do breath work too. I like to think, okay, it's, it's in my stomach. It's filling my lungs. It's going through my throat chakra and up into my head and crown. And I think that it's really interesting to kind of think of the, um, the path that it's on as well. Like, you know, it's kind of a cool, like centering thing. I don't know. I like that a lot. Any other things that you, you talked about CBD? Do you, is that, um, like oil or I don't, I'm not super familiar to be honest with that industry. Just kind of learned about it this year. Um, so I use a company called Healist and I use, they have like a big range of products, but the ones I use every day, they have calm drops 
and there it's just like a little dropper and I hold it under my tongue it says 30 seconds I'm like how long can I do this for (laughs) um so I hold it as long as possible and I think for me the point is to not feel like if I'm very anxious then I will gradually I won't even be conscious of becoming less anxious until I'm like oh hey I'm not stressed anymore wow you know it's not like an instant thing where I'm like and I'm good it's more like oh, okay slowly but surely I, I feel better um but then I just started taking all their products are like vegan and and you know ethically sourced and so I feel good about using them in general but I just started using they have these like capsules for immune support and they have a little CBD in them as well but then they have like rubs and I don't know a whole bunch of stuff wow but, the drops are where I'm at. Interesting. You know? And yeah. I tried using them for sleep, but what gets me to sleep, usually I sleep, I do sleep meditation because I do have trouble sleeping. Um, and I find that if I do CBD drops at night, I sleep too good almost where I'm like, <laughs> like I'm a little groggy the next day. So Got I avoid it. them when I sleep. Got it. First thing in the morning or like at lunch, I'll do a few drops. Amazing. Yeah. So cool. Nice. We'll link all of that in the episode notes too, just in case you guys are listening and, and are interested in that. Um, what sort of sleep meditation do you do? Is it guided? Do you do it yourself? Um, I do it myself now. Um, I've done some guided ones before. I want to say the first one I did was, um, what's that app? Headspace? Oh, Headspace. I think yeah. it was Headspace originally. Um, now, and I don't know if this is from that. I'm sure someone will know exactly what this is from, but I take three really big breaths and every breath, I like imagine myself kind of just like releasing and sinking into my bed a little bit. And I get comfortable. And I usually find that, you know, I'm not a back sleeper, but when I do my sleep meditation, like that's where I start. Mm. Um, and then the next step, let me see if I can think of this right now. The next step, I oh, I scan my body from top to bottom. And what I imagine is just this like little scanner going all around and and I kind of do it like different patterns all the time so sometimes the scanner goes down each arm sometimes it's like my whole body arms included and I remember it saying like what you're supposed to be doing is looking what feels good what doesn't feel good don't adjust anything just acknowledge it and move on and I don't find myself ever looking for this is probably a bad thing but it works for me but I don't look and acknowledge the good I just like scan and if something's a little uncomfortable I take note and then keep going. And it's what's funny is like when I get past that spot, I don't feel it anymore because I'm so focused on wherever this little scanner is in my body. Um, and after that, if I haven't fallen asleep during that, <laughs> then um, I do a recap of my day. And it's like very quick. And it's almost to like a beat. And it's very quick. So, you know, I woke up. I had breakfast. It's nothing too detailed. And then if I haven't slept during that, or if I haven't completely gone off track, sometimes I go so off track and I'm now thinking of tomorrow, but, um, I'll bring myself back and then I just count down from a hundred and it never fails for me. So interesting and so helpful. Thank you for sharing. Of course. I think, um, a lot of people are hung up on the like meditation as, as popular as it's gotten this year, especially. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are still really intimidated by it. And I yeah. think that there are so many exercises. I almost wish that the word meditation wasn't a thing anymore because they really are just, it's like sure. mental and, you know, different breath work exercises mm-hmm. that you're doing and the scanning and all these different approaches. So I definitely encourage listeners like, try if something hasn't worked for you if if just sitting upright in like this zen pose you yeah, know with your not it's not <laughs> yeah. and it's hard I can I can get there some days and other days I'm like absolutely not mm-hmm. it's hurting my back I'm feeling stressed I'm overthinking something so I think that there are so many different forms of meditation and I think it's just important to keep trying other other 
forms really and experiencing and experimenting different things for sure if I would have stopped early on I would have you know meditation's a scam you know but once I found the things that work for me Mm -hmm. game changer amazing for sure so so special so um I want to do a segment that I like to call Mindful Musings. This is um, probably one of my more favorite segments when I have guests. Right. It's kind of more like a game. Okay. Um, I love a game. So so it's really where we'll get in inside of the mind of our guests. It's more like um, these thought-provoking questions. So it's rapid fire, and uh, some, some can go slower at the beginning, and then the other ones I'll let you know when they kick up and they get a little oh, okay. bit faster. So no pressure, but... Um, have a little fun. So again, we'll start out slow. Okay. So the first question that I have for you, Jordan, what have you learned about yourself in 2020? Okay. Um, in 2020, I would say the part of myself that I've gotten to know more so than ever has been, I mean, I've been super involved in the election, obviously. And I guess just finding my voice when it comes, I would say confidence, confidence in my voice and my opinion when it comes to, you know, worldly, in this case, nationwide discussions and, mm-hmm. and, uh, debates. Yeah. Um, I don't, I think that, and I don't know if it's a thing that's necessarily about being a woman or like about age or I don't know what it is, but I know that I've never had full confidence in being able to give my opinion, not even in you know, uh, political rooms, but in, in most rooms, I kind of, I love to observe. I love to listen and I love to give my opinion, but if it's on something that's a little pressing, I definitely take a step back and that has changed in 2020 for sure. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I think that is, I mean, you, you were such a positive force too with the BLM movement and all of that on social. It was so nice for me to follow along and watch, but it is, I mean, I think it is, I think the, the importance of inclusion and finding a voice and having the confidence to speak up for all Mm -hmm. and and for others who don't necessarily have a voice is, is really special. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, how has COVID helped you to reset? Um, I mean, in a very tangible way, I'm back in California. I mean, I was in New York, I was living alone and at first I didn't look at it as a reset. I'm, I'm, you know, staying with my parents until I find a place in LA. I'm giving myself till February. So to me at first it was like, I wouldn't sleep in my room. I, I refused to not live out of my suitcase. Cause I was like, I'm not moving back home. This is not the journey for me. And then, you know, I did an actual reset. I, I moved into my room. I hung clothes in the closet and it felt good. It felt good to like be settled at least somewhat. And it felt like it felt nice to be home with my parents during everything that's going on. I was like, this is, it's like a, a hug without hugging. Like it was comfort. So that was, I mean, thank you COVID for that. Yeah. I think that as hard and sad as it's been for so many, I know it's been a struggle and I definitely feel for those who have lost family members and friends. I think that in all the bad there is still always good. Mm -hmm. And I think with COVID, it has helped the whole world reset. We were all on these hamster wheels and wheels. And I think that it, it's really helped us to slow down in ways that we wouldn't have otherwise done it. You know, Mm -hmm. um, if you feel yourself losing sight of the now, how do you reconnect to being present and mindful? I would probably have to give that credit to Carissa, my best friend. Like she's very, I mean, okay, so Chris is my business partner, my best friend. She's dating my cousin. She's like in and out of like living with my work. It's a lot. <laughs> um, but she's very, I would say more than most people, maybe more than anyone in my life is the one person that can be like, hey, 
either this is not going okay or this is something you need to focus on. She knows me, I would say, even better in certain aspects than I know myself. And I know that I can trust her opinion and I can trust that she is guiding me towards good in whatever way that is. So I would say if I'm off, it's a conversation with her. You know, if it's just me, then it's, it's again, I, I think I have a very, um, there's an ongoing conversation with myself kind of constantly throughout mm-hmm. the day. So I'm always in, you know, having a conversation in my mind to me, with me, whatever it may be. Um, they say it's not crazy if you don't <laughs> talk back. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, there's always like a narrative kind of happening. Yep. Yeah. Really interesting. Um, how do you lead through altruism with a servant's heart regularly in everyday life? I know you said that you're involved with different like philanthropic uh, ventures. How do you feel like you're helping the community other than speaking on, on social? Um, I would say speaking on social is one of the biggest things for me. Um, I don't know. I think, a, I think a big part of it, I think a, a lot of people are getting clouded in this. What's the way to put it? A lot of people got involved this year, but I think it was very surface level for a lot of people and it was very obvious. And so for me, I give back pretty constantly in, you know, in time and, you know, in some instances monetarily, but these are things I've gotten challenged by a lot of people on social. Like, you know, you think that your opinion on these things are going to change things. And I'm like, I do. I genuinely do think that just getting word out and, you know, maybe giving people an alternative way to look at something. So I try to like repost and like talk to people because I don't know the answers. I have no idea. But when something speaks to me, I think, okay, maybe this will change the perspective of someone else's view or opinion on something. So I very much think that social media has a huge impact on it. But I've been challenged, like I said, because people are like, what are you doing outside of this? And I do try and walk the walk as well. Like I think, who am I to, to you know, preach and not be doing the work? So um, depending on the issue, like I have, uh, my friend Jason Flom is, I met him in the, in the music industry. He is a huge advocate for prison reform and, um, you know, getting people off the hook for things that they've never done. And so he's my expert when it comes to those things. And so, you know, I have conversations with him maybe once or twice a month about, you know, how can I be helping? How can I be pushing people to, you know, a better way to educate them or what is it that I need to be doing in my small way to help your, your goal or your cause or whatever it is. Yeah. So he's there for that. I have a friend, Lauren Ghosh, who's a real estate agent in Portland, who is a huge advocate for, um, not only black lives, but you know, the issue of, um, like gentrification came up recently, which is my bread and butter. I'm a real estate agent. So for me, I was like, how do I, do my job ethically and you know, who can I speak to about those things? So she's my go-to for things like that. So I think just having conversations and always being open to the fact that you do not know Mm -hmm. and things are always evolving. Mm -hmm. So if I, I don't even know if I answered your question, but I would say you absolutely did. I mean, it sounds, you obviously have a large following and I love that you're using your voice 
for good. I also really like that you are reaching out to other experts in the industries or in their lanes that they have the expertise in. I think that's something that I have always sort of struggled with. And this year I've even tried to figure out how and where it makes sense for me to, to communicate my opinions or my thoughts and how do I make an impact and who do I talk to? Am mm-hmm. I going to sound uneducated in the political space because right. I'm not super familiar with it or whatever that may be? I also... I never want to offend people, you know, Mm -hmm. nobody ever wants to offend. So I always want to make sure that it is that inclusion, but it is a hard thing to do. So I love the idea of talking to different experts and asking their opinion and just having the conversations and and being okay with like not knowing and not being okay. Absolutely. The hard part is people don't know who they can safely go to for those questions. And I get that. Um, And I mean, for that, I'm saying like, come to me, I'll direct you. I think one thing about me in every aspect is like, I wear multiple hats. I'm not an expert in many things, but I know who those people are. So because of my connections, I'm able to, you know, take a little from here, take a little from here. Um, and they are the type of, you know, personalities where like, no, this is who I am, what I'm doing. And this is my, you know, horse, horse blinders, which is, we need that. Mm-hmm. We need those people. Mm-hmm. I'm just not one of them. I am very much like a facilitator. Yep. I love that. It goes back to your relationship building too, 100%. you know? Um, okay. So now we're going to move into the rapid fire segment. Oh my God, I'm so nervous. Segment. I'm okay. <laughs> um, a little bit quicker. Um, but if something warrants a longer explanation, I feel like you can, okay. you can talk longer. Purple. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> okay. So the first question, what is self-love? Um, I would say self-love is... I guess doling out the opinions of others and really like centering yourself with your own voice and opinion and like really thinking about what you need, want, and feel. What does being egoless look like? Mm. That's hard. I don't know if I know anyone that's egoless. I know I'm not egoless. Um, I would say to aspire to be egoless, I would say, you know, I mean, the obvious, think outside of yourself, look at like, not what affects you, what's going to affect the majority and the people that need it most. How to go about that? Talk to me in a few years. (laughs) (laughs) What time period do you connect with most? I really do feel connected to where we're at now. I would say fashion-wise, give me the 90s all day. Um, And I am having a 1920s birthday party, so I feel connected to that currently. But I do feel like I'm where I'm supposed to. I was born into the right era, for sure. Very cool. What advice would you give your 10-year-old self? Mm. I think I would have liked to have learned that everything is happening. Everything is helping you at 10 years old. Everything is helping you. I love that. Mm -hmm. Um, What advice would your 80-year-old self give you today? Mm. I think she'd tell me to wear more sunscreen. (laughs) For sure. Um... I think it's going to have to do with relationships. I think that I put a big weight on my romantic relationships and I'm finding myself becoming more aware of that. But I think my 80 year old self is going to be like, yo, you should have gotten over that a lot sooner. You're going to, you're fine. You're, you're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, what legacy would you want to leave behind? I think it's going to be a legacy of love, um, a legacy of acceptance. I think, I mean, where we're at right now, my biggest thing is like, how do I pass on love and acceptance and things to my kids? That's going to, that's it for me. If you can accept things, you're, 
that's everything. Mm-hmm. I think at least in America right now, like that's what we lack in a lot of areas. So please let my kids be loving and accepting. Yeah. And mm-hmm. educate, you know, raise good humans. Mm-hmm. Teach them to love. Teach them that we're all one. You know, all of these things Absolutely. that I think it's so important. I'm I'm so excited to be part of this next generation that will create the following generation to raise those kids to continue to lead on and, and like where the youth is bringing it even now. You know, mm-hmm. absolutely with climate change and everything in between. So, oh, yeah. um, what do you think the meaning of life is? For me, it's it's the people. It's like relationships. Like I said, it all comes down to the people in my life. And how do I, you know, bring them up with me or just like heal them in whatever ways that I can? Mm-hmm. What is the soul? For me, I guess it's, it comes back to like the person that I find during those moments of self-love. Who is this person that speaks to me when there's no pressure and when no one else is listening? It's beautiful. Fill in the blank. I want to thank Shana. <laughs> Um, honestly, in this moment, yeah, I think that you bring a lot of, like, you bring me more consciously closer to mindfulness, like where this is a thing that I have to really work on seeing you and what it's done for your life and how it's like shaped you to who you are now. It's super inspiring. Thanks. I'm crying. (laughs) Um, life is what? A journey. The world needs, it needs to be like I, understanding, I think. Mm. Like being able to get past like language and culture. People just need to understand each other. That's what the world needs. There you go. The person I most want to be proud of me is? Myself. What do you believe is the purpose of your life? I think I'm discovering that still. I think one of the major purposes is to show... I think very specifically my family that there's there's like so much world to explore and that extends on to like culture and people and things I think that I'm the first one to bring that to light within my family special what do you think is the secret to a happy life for me it's no expectations it's good it's always worked for me what does it mean to be mindful it's being conscious it's like listening to your body listening to the voice inside your head, as long as it's, you know, your voice inside your head. <laughs> um, it's just being conscious, I think. I've, I've spent a lot of my life not paying attention to these things, even like my body, like not knowing what foods affect me and things. I think that's part of being mindful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was a big part of my journey too, was figuring out kind of what my mind needs mm-hmm. and also what my body needs. Sure. I wouldn't like even growing up, I would never connect. Like I got a stomach ache because I ate never. corn. Like I can't even believe that I didn't never. connect all of these things. I'm still not doing it. <laughs> I need to, but it is. I mean, and I think that that also goes back to what you were saying about raising good humans. It's, it's raising mindful humans that are aware, that are understanding mm-hmm. of other cultures, of other people, of other, um, you know, ethnicities of different food, whatever Absolutely. that is. And then really understanding like who who you are in connection to the food that you eat whether it's um, plants or animals or whatever that is you know and it's like um, I was listening to your past life regression uh, episode on the way here Mm -hmm. season one it's season (laughs) one it's like um, I, I mean I never knew that we had those four states of consciousness so it's like really not being in that state of is it alpha the mm-hmm. second one like consciously getting out and like being very present in the moments when you need to I think that there's time and space for alpha but 
being able to like be in the driver's seat of your life, like pay attention for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We all have that ability to be in the driver's seat and we forget mm-hmm. so often and we just let our, our conscious drive all the time for instead sure. of letting the subconscious and the conscious sort of do this little natural dance that they should be doing really. Yeah. Well, Jordan, that concludes our little mindful musings (laughs) segment. Thanks so much for playing along. And thank you for sharing your insight and your tips. It was so helpful. I loved hearing your story. I knew it and and I even learned more about it today. So thank you so much for sharing. Um, I, I know all of the listeners obviously will, will enjoy listening to Jordan. Um, where can we find you? How can we follow you or stay in the loop? Um, I'm on all the socials. It's all the same. It's at Jordan Taylor now. My parents were really creative. So it's J-O-R-D-Y-N-T-A-Y-L-O-R-N-O-W. Got it. And we'll be sure to link that in the episode notes for all of you. And with that, we conclude another episode of Mindful Divine. For more information, you can check out my website, mindfuldivine.com, where you can also find insight on therapy sessions, workshops, courses, events, and so much more. Plus right now for a limited time, you can still get your free ebook to unlock your purpose at mindfuldivine.com forward slash online dash courses. You can also subscribe to my YouTube channel, Mindful Divine, where you'll receive exclusive behind the scenes content on the show. And be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this episode in the podcast app, the iTunes store, or wherever you get your podcasts.